the way that you were created is so unique and beautiful. And there are so many strengths to who you are. And to remind yourself, and this is something I tell myself, you have greatness inside of you. Hey everybody, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. For this week's episode number 239, I am chatting with Jordan Thompson. She is a pro volleyball player and an Olympic gold medalist. And if there's one thing I can say right off the bat, it's that Jordan is, she is wise well beyond her years. So many of the things that she was saying as I was sitting here listening to her, I was just like shaking my head and thinking, wow. Her strong growth mindset she attributes to her time playing with the U.S. Women's National Volleyball Team. And today, she tells us how she got there, how she landed herself a spot on the team after working her way up in the sport, playing at Cincinnati and now overseas for a team that she has been dreaming of playing on for some time now. Jordan talks to us about how pro volleyball works, similar to basketball, why so many of the best players from the United States go abroad to play and gain experience. She also chats about one of her big hurdle moments, navigating an injury that had her reevaluating what it meant to be a team player. Jordan and I also chat about what it's like for her to be one of the few black women in her sport and her hopes for the sport moving forward. Plus, the high value she puts on the relationship that she has with her teammates and how lucky she feels to have some of the best of the best as her mentors, including Jordan Larson, who I've had on the show. I'm going to link her episode in the show notes. Super happy that we were able to find the time to have this convo. A huge thanks to the good folks at Under Armour for connecting us. And on that note, if there is someone you want to hear from on the show, I am all ears. Feel free to shoot us a DM over at Hurdle Podcast or email me over at hello at hurdle.us. Last but not least, I'm putting a call out. I would love your listener questions for an upcoming listener questions episode. So whatever you got, it can be about sports. It can be about life, health, work, career, whatever. The link to leave me one is in the show notes. And with that, let's get to it. Let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Jordan Thompson. She's a pro volleyball player. She's also an Olympic gold medalist. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I'm. I, we kind of rapped about this a little bit before this formally started, but honestly, I'm just a little bit jealous that you are sitting in Italy and I am sitting in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to work. Um, definitely far from home, but it's fun. 
a little bit far from home. So right now you are over in Italy playing with a Series A1 team. Talk to us a little bit about what that's like for you. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, Italy has one of the strongest leagues in the world for volleyball. And so um, I'm playing with a team called Vero Volley Milan, formerly known as Vero Volley Monza. And so this is a team that I've been trying to get on for a few years now. And so I'm just really excited to be here. And it's been really cool, just a lot of strong competition. And it's exciting because I feel like things are kind of falling into place for me in terms of my career and just feeling like I'm finally building again. Um, so I'm really excited to be here. And when you say trying to get on for a few years now, what does that look like? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. There are, when you think about like the volleyball world, there are different leagues in different countries all around the world. And there are specific countries that have stronger leagues. And then within those leagues, there are stronger teams. And so as an opposite, um, which is my position, you have like one starter, one starting opposite on each team. And so there aren't many really big jobs out there that are on a really high level team where you are going to make good money and um, it's going to be like a really great situation. And so I knew that this was a club where it had all of those things. I was going to be playing high level volleyball, have a great coach, just a great living situation and be able to play in a really strong league. And so this was somewhere that I've been wanting to come to for a while now. And it's sort of difficult because the job just hadn't really opened up in the way that I kind of needed it to. And then I had signed other contracts to play other places. So we were just kind of missing each other for a while. Right. Like ships passing in the night. So being there now, how does it feel? It's awesome. It's, I don't even know how to describe it, honestly, because I had kind of a few rough seasons overseas and I was like, listen, if this is how professional volleyball is, I cannot do this as a career. Like maybe I'm just not cut out for it. Like maybe, maybe I'm not tough enough to do this job. I don't know. And coming here and realizing that this experience is a possible, like it's possible to have this kind of experience and have such a positive one and kind of get my love for the game back and really bond with my teammates and have fun playing to have this experience. It's I've been just feeling really thankful and blessed because um, for a while there, I was just a little bit nervous, like, okay, maybe, maybe this like, isn't the career for me. Like, you know, I want to play national team and that's a huge reason why I'm over here playing professionally, but is it worth it? And so coming here, it's like, okay, yes, you're doing the right thing. This is worth it. And I'm going to have a fun time doing it. Yeah. Your whole like energy shifted when you started talking about how it feels to play there now after, as you said, having a few tough seasons, how would it feel for you if we explored what those tough seasons consisted of? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it might be a little triggering. No, <laughs> but I'm definitely <laughs> open to it. Open to it. it. So talk to us about the tough seasons. Talk to us about how those were different than what you're experiencing now in this new chapter. Yeah, I think um, a huge difference is, I mean, one, I'm healthy here. And so I think that's really helpful. Having different support staff at different clubs and going into places not knowing what that's going to look like, what kind of physio you'll have. um, And, you know, if 
the club will give you the time you need to recover from injuries and stuff like that, it can be really daunting. And so I was in a situation where I went into a season with an injury and I just wasn't able to get the time I needed to heal. And so, you know, you play this game of like, I have to, you know, you want to work hard for the team. You want to be there for the girls. But at the same time, you're looking at yourself like I'm pushing myself to a point where I might be jeopardizing my career and um, my long-term health. And so trying to play that balancing game um, can be really difficult. And so I think it was just a lot of different things kind of thrown at me at one time. But like I said, again, I'm just really thankful to be having a positive experience now. Yeah. It's so understandable, the feelings that you articulated that it can be frustrating and definitely triggering to think about a time when you were putting your own personal health and well-being uh, into jeopardy in favor of the team. With volleyball being a team sport, what have you learned about perhaps the necessity to really listen to what's happening with you so that you can show up for all of these other people that you care about? I think I've learned that like, if I'm not showing up for myself and I'm not the best version of me, whether that's like one day I'm at my 100% or maybe the best version of me is me at my 60%, if I'm not there and listening to my body and what I need and showing up for myself, then I'm ultimately not being there for my teammates and showing up for them in the way that they deserve. And so sometimes I'm definitely a people pleaser. So I'll kind of not want to think about like, okay, well, you know, maybe I need just like a day off or maybe I need time to just reset and recover or whatever it may be. And I'm like, okay, well, but what about the team? And maybe it's not fair to them or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, if we all individually take care of ourselves and pour into ourselves so we can show up and be the best for our team. Like that's when you have the strongest group of women um, to play this sport. And so I think it can sometimes be hard because you want to just constantly pour into the team, pour into the team. And you have to remember like you're part of that team. So remember to pour into yourself. Yeah. And really it's the whole concept of like putting your own oxygen mask on before you can help someone else around you in practice. Sometimes though, that's harder to do than we may be able to dole out that advice to somebody else. Right? Like when you're looking at a teammate and you see that she's so burnt out and you're like, dude, you need to take some time. Yeah. You might be going through the exact same thing. And it's like, ah, do I need to take that time? Right. Right. I think it's hard. And like I said, you just want to, sometimes you feel guilty for that, but just reminding yourself that at the end of the day, by you being good for yourself, you're being good for your teammates. I think you have to go back to that. So you don't get consumed with the guilt if that's something that you're struggling with. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we kind of dove right into this, but the fun fact that I love about you is that when you started playing sports, you actually started with basketball. Do you remember the choice on pivoting from basketball to volleyball way back in middle school? Yeah. I just, I remember my dad played basketball professionally for a long time for the Harlem Globetrotters. So that was really cool. And so yeah, for for me growing up, it was kind of just natural, like, well, I'll just play basketball until I kind of find something I like. And I remember my parents telling my brother and I, like, you're not going to be like F-ups, you're going to be like contributing members of society. And so you need to 
play a sport, be involved in something, go to college, get an education. And I'm like, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I swear. I just wanted to like please my parents and do what they had asked. And so played basketball for a long time. And then it was just too much of a contact sport for me. Like the amount of times I would start hyperventilating because I was crying from getting hit was just like, I need to find something different. (laughs) And I had a friend in middle school who was trying out for the volleyball team. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just try it. Like, I know absolutely nothing about the sport. Like I got to the tryout. They had to teach me like how to put my hands together to pass the ball. And, um, but I just remember like having so much fun learning a new sport and getting to play a different kind of team sport. And so I think I just like fell in love with it right away. And I told my dad, you know, I don't think I want to keep playing basketball. I think I want to really like see what I can do with volleyball and he he didn't care at all. He just wanted me to have fun playing a sport and and just enjoy it. Was that one of those scenarios that you were telling yourself a certain story, kind of hesitant to give him the details, like tell him like this is what I want to do? Yeah, because I guess like in my head I was thinking, okay, I have to play a sport. I'll play basketball. It'll make my dad proud. I'll just go to college with a scholarship, and then I'll just play in the WNBA. And I'm like. At no point was I ever good enough to like play in the WNBA or like on that trajectory. But I was nervous because I didn't want to disappoint him. But at the end of the day, he just reassured me like, I, you don't need to play basketball. I just want you to have fun and play a sport. So, Yeah. So you get into playing volleyball. I also feel like it's important to note here, you're 6'4". Is that right? Yes. So you already knew from the get-go that you were going to be destined to do something where height could help you to your advantage. Yes, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) This is coming from a girl who stands tall at 5'4". So (laughs) I can see how that could be good for you. So you get into volleyball and you you like what you're experiencing. And do you know pretty shortly in that you want to take this farther than just playing in high school? Um... I think I knew maybe after like a year of playing that I was like, okay, maybe I could try to get a scholarship to college um, and see what that looks like. And sure enough, my freshman year, I had um, a school looking at me and I remember my high school coach said, because I was going to go on a visit, she was like, do not commit to this school. Like you are going to have different offers. Like do not verbally commit to them just wait it out. Like, I know it's exciting, but like, go there, have an open mind, just do not commit to them. I'm like, okay, cool. Got it. I go there and I come back. I'm like, I verbally committed. (laughs) And I told her, I was like, I just don't think that like another opportunity is going to come my way. This seems like a really good one. Um, you know, I can have a full ride scholarship and that's really all I'm like needing this for. Um, like, of course I want to play volleyball in college and that seems like so much fun, but the ultimate goal is my parents said I need to go to college. They can't afford to pay for that. So I need a scholarship. Um, and so I remember my coach was just like, okay, well, I tried. <laughs> Did other offers end up coming in? Yeah. So other schools um, would you know, send letters or emails. And there ended up being a coaching change at the school that I was committed to. And so I ended up decommitting and sort of trying to figure out like, okay, maybe that wasn't like where I was supposed to end up and just trying to figure out where I was going to go. 
And it was just interesting because I would have some, I guess, like bigger volleyball schools maybe reaching out and showing interest. And I couldn't decide really like what I wanted. Um, I was really just unsure and I didn't want to make the wrong decision. And I ended up, I was talking to my best friend in high school and she was committed to Cincinnati and she was like, well, why don't you just come on a visit? I'm like, but do you think they would want me? Like, I don't even know if I'm good enough to like play there. And so she reached out to the coach and the coach was like, yeah, of course, like we'd love to have her on a visit. And I just remember driving into the city. Like I had just landed at the airport. We're driving in, not even on campus yet. And just the feeling that I had driving in, I was like, why does this feel like a second home already? Like I haven't even seen anything yet. And then talking with the coaching staff and meeting the team, I was like, okay, yeah, this is for sure where I'm supposed to be. Talk to me about what it was like for you to balance sport and school, knowing that, as you said, your parents really valued you getting an education. It was actually easier than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Um, It's interesting because I remember in high school, all of our teachers telling us like, well, you can't, this isn't going to slide in college. Like they're not going to let this happen in college. And just being really kind of tough on us and really trying to prepare us for college and what it was going to be like. And I remember getting there and I'm like, oh, I have like one or two classes a day. And then I have the rest of the day to like go to practice and do my homework and study tables and everything. And um, playing a sport in college and having that structure, um, at least at Cincinnati, they made it hard for you to fail because there were so many different people checking in with you. You had your eight hours of study tables every week that you had to do and you had to schedule those and you had um, to meet with your like academic advisor and your coach would check in with you and your teammates would talk to you about class and stuff like that. So for me, I felt like there were so many different structures in place so that it was, um, I felt really supported and um, also knowing that like all of my teammates are doing the same thing. So I don't want to feel like the odd one out and like, oh, this is just too hard. I can't do it. I was like, okay, I got to stay on top of things and really um, lock in because I also want to make sure that I can make volleyball a priority as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you're making it a priority. You're in the thick of things and you struggle with a pretty devastating injury. Talk to me about what it was like to damage your UCL. So that was just a really bizarre injury. Um, I was playing, it was in the summer before season, before preseason started. And um, we were just playing an open gym and we were playing defense and there was a ball hit and it was sort of coming in between me and a different teammate. And she crossed in front of me and I reached out to try to play the ball. And I basically ended up punching her in the back and hyperextending my elbow and completely tearing my UCL. And I didn't realize it at the time. I just knew like, oh, that really hurt. I'm going to go get it checked out after practice. And a few weeks later, it still wasn't feeling better. And so they're like, okay, we should probably like take you to get an MRI, make sure everything's okay. And I remember um, I had talked with this doctor so many times before and um, knew him pretty well. And he's like, yeah, why don't you come back into my office? I'm like, that's weird. Like, why can't you talk to me here in the, in the room? And so my coach and I go back there and he's like, yeah, so you tore your UCL, you're going to need surgery and you're going to be out for a year. So 
and just like stared at my coach and I, and I was like immediately devastated. I felt like my life was over. I always said that my biggest fear was getting injured. And, um, I was just really thankful to like have my coach there in that moment to support me and just kind of like be my mom. Um, and so she, she was like, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. Um, super comforting. And then we ended up going and grabbing coffee and she's like, you know, if you think about it, this could, you know, we can make this a positive, like it will be okay. I know it's tough, but you'll have more time here to continue getting stronger and learning and growing and stuff like that. And so I ended up, I was really nervous because I didn't know how I would come out on the other side. Like, I didn't know if I would still be like a good volleyball player. I didn't know how my elbow was going to respond, but I just remember like, I just made the decision, like, I'm going to come back stronger. Like I, I'm not going to let this be a huge setback. And so I was watching a ton of film, you know, watching my team play, trying to encourage them as best as I could going home, watching film, watching other teams overseas play, watching people in my position, just thinking like, okay, if I can't play the game, how can I continue to like soak it in and see things better and just use this as a time to grow? And so I definitely for a while, for the first few months had kind of like a just like sad mindset. Um, But I think that's normal. Like you're devastated, you have an injury, but once I kind of made that decision of like, okay, there's nothing I can do about this, like about the situation I'm in, but I can kind of turn this into a positive and um, use this time to the best of my ability. And I think just really focused on that. And it was really helpful just coming out on the other side. Yeah. Wow. What an impressive mindset to take on, especially, I mean, you've mentioned the injury a couple of times here. I know the one that we just referenced clearly super devastating for you. For someone who's navigating their own injuries or maybe even just a setback in general, what did those experiences teach you that you could share with them? I think um, it's really difficult whether you're dealing with a physical injury or something, maybe it's mental health or just some kind of life struggle. I'm not someone who really, I don't want to be super overly positive about everything. I like to be very realistic and like, okay, this sucks, but how can I make it better? And how can I, if there's not a positive, create one. So I think allowing yourself the time to grieve, if that's something that needs to happen and be upset and feel those emotions but then once you've kind of worked through that process, okay, where what's the next step forward from here? And how can I just continue to move forward in a positive way? I think that's the biggest thing because I don't know, it's just, it's really difficult when you, whatever situation you're in to just be in a crappy situation and feel like, okay, well, how do I, how do I move forward from this? And I think having a support system is huge in that. And so Um, I really leaned on my friends and my family and my coaching staff um, to kind of help me in those moments where I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to move forward in a positive way, but I'm just having one of those days where I'm feeling really discouraged because maybe I'm having a setback in my rehab. And so I kind of need you to help encourage me right now. Um, But I think having a support system is huge. 
Yeah. And so much awareness on your part to recognize that it can be both, right? Like it can be a hard Mm -hmm. time and you also have the opportunity to lean on others to get to where you want to be and also recognizing where you want to be. I think that Mm -hmm. can be really, truly just so difficult. So again, that awareness is so impressive. And to hear you talk about that value in leaning on others, I would uh, be curious to hear what that's like for you now playing mm-hmm. so far away from your friends and family. How do you pick yourself up on those hard days being across the pond in Italy? Yeah, I, I'm i still clinging to my teammates and my family. I actually just am now kind of getting out of a rough patch. I wasn't feeling very well and I was kind of like sick, didn't have a lot of energy, not playing good volleyball. And I'm like, what is going on? It just seemed like so many things were not going right. And I, a few weeks ago, sat down with two of my teammates and one of them was Jordan Larson. And I was just like, how do you stay motivated and stay positive when it's such a long season and things aren't going your way? Like things aren't kind of clicking like they usually do and you don't feel in this rhythm. And she was like, you have to think about like, it's like putting money in the bank and just you're investing and you're showing up every day and the consistency will pay off. And so um, it was something really simple, but to hear her say it as somebody I really look up to and a player who has so many amazing accomplishments in this sport, I think hearing it from her, it was like, oh, duh, like I'm just going to keep working hard and keep putting in the time and effort. And eventually it has to pay off. Like I can't just be in this funk forever. Like maybe I can't see the end of this long tunnel of just seems like it's dark and things aren't clicking and I'm not in a rhythm, but I'll get there eventually. Eventually I'll see the light. And so just kind of like, okay, I'm going to keep putting my head down, putting in the work and staying consistent. And so my teammates just continue to be my support system. And I think that's something that's really special when you go overseas and you have different foreigners on your team, you guys are kind of in the same boat, you know, like you're, you're all far away from home and you don't get to go home for the holidays and you miss your family and your friends and your pets and whatever. Um, But to have each other is just really important. So I think if you have different foreigners or just your teammates in general, um, being able to lean on them, at least for me, has been really huge. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Jordan's been on the show. She's an absolute delight, an absolute delight. So I'm so happy to hear that you guys have one another to be a support system. I Mm -hmm. think it could be helpful here for us, just for those that might not be familiar with how uh, playing volleyball works at your level. If you could give them some insight into why you do have to travel overseas uh, to play at this point. Yeah. So right now in the States, there aren't many options for us to play professional volleyball at a super high level for a long period of time to have that kind of normal um, professional season and have the same like competitive pay. And so there are a few leagues that are actually getting started pretty soon in the States. But as of right now, our best option to make good money and have really high level volleyball is to go overseas and find different teams to play on. 
having had the opportunity to play for Team USA, do you feel a little bit differently playing overseas or like how does that shake out for you? Yeah, I think playing with Team USA and winning gold, <laughs> I kind of feel like I have more street cred. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sounds kind of funny, but I think, you know, being overseas, being a younger player and trying to hold your own, you can sometimes kind of be used as like the scapegoat um, and just like, oh, well, it's because the younger players are, you know, messing up practice or the game or whatever. And so um, not to say like now people can't say that stuff about me or something like that, but you do feel more of like, at least for me, I feel like, okay, I can take up more space. I have more confidence because I was a part of something really special and making history. And I think I just have a little bit more confidence in myself as a player now being overseas and kind of having that experience with Team USA. When you say I can take up more space, what does that mean to you? To me, taking up more space means, I think, being confident in my skills as a player and knowing that the things that I view as my strengths on the national team with Team USA, like being that cheerleader, that loud encourager, the one who's celebrating others' success and like trying to pump up the team, getting having a lot of energy and um, trying to play like just fearless volleyball. I can do that overseas and it's still, those are still my strengths. And so I think sometimes you get on a team and I, for me, I don't really know all the time where I fit in and how does my personality and my style of play kind of fit into this team. And it helped me to realize like, I can still just be myself. And that has been good enough in different situations. And I'm hoping that's good enough here. Um, and so, whereas other times I was like, kind of more quiet, maybe not cheering as loud because other people weren't cheering as loud. And it wasn't always this like high energy environment, I would kind of like dim my light a little bit. And I realized like, I don't have to do that. Like I can just be authentically myself and that is good enough. And if somebody doesn't like it, like if someone doesn't like having a personal cheerleader, like, I'm sorry, I'm still going to cheer for you. But, um, <laughs> but it's just encouraged me like to have confidence in who I am and what my strengths are and to actively continue to do those things in a different space. It's interesting to see you and hear you light up talking about playing fearless volleyball and also to hear you say that you're kind of coming out of a little bit of a rough patch. Can you speak a little bit on that, what it's felt like for you lately to play fearless volleyball and maybe how um, it difference, differs now than it has in the past? You know, in the past, like when I've been, I mean, just recently kind of feeling in a rut it's sometimes it could be easy to like lose track of the things that make me feel like myself when I'm playing. Like if I'm not feeling in a rhythm with my game, then maybe I start to fall out of that rhythm of always like bringing that high energy and being that cheerleader and stuff like that. And so then it seems like everything's a little bit wonky. Again, just like reminding myself of if I put in that work, it will show up again. Like that rhythm will, will come and I'll find it. And also sometimes I just have to like, I don't want to say like fake it till you make it, but if I'm not feeling good and I'm 
feeling really low energy and I just like, oh, I don't feel like it today. Sometimes I was like, okay, I'm aware of this. I'm aware of how I feel, but I'm still going to go in there and just like be the hype woman and have a ton of energy because then, yeah, I'm tired. I'm going to be tired either way, but my, my feeling and that kind of feeling like in sync with my team and that rhythm will kind of flow from that energy that I like put into it, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. And I think it's, it's funny, right? Because as we like get older and we have so much more awareness about our thoughts and our emotions and how we respond to our thoughts, it's like, okay, so I know this to be true, but that doesn't mean that I'm not like going to start by feeling this way and know that I can get to feeling like the other way. It's just going to take me a beat. Something that someone said to me earlier today that like really resonated with me was this concept of I get what I don't want. So I learn what I do. It's like, even Mm -hmm. though this thing is happening, that might not be what we hoped for. That thing is still happening for us so that we can learn and then apply that going forward, which when you're in the moment, like that's hella difficult to implement. Yes. It sucks in the moment. And that's where I go back to. I think once you kind of validate yourself and be like, yeah, this does suck. This is like so crappy right now. But there, when I come out of this, I'm going to see the reason or see the lesson in it. And just having that awareness of knowing like this tough time will not last forever, but it is crappy right now. And that's okay. I think that's really helpful. taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, Open. Open is a digital mindfulness platform combining breathwork, meditation, and movement. I am in the middle of a 30-day challenge to kick off the year. And personally, I am loving it. It is crazy for me, someone who used to struggle so much to feel as though they were doing quote-unquote things right when it came to breathwork and meditation that I genuinely look forward to it each and every single morning. I start my days with about five to 10 minutes of breathwork class and I love doing them sat on the couch in my living room. It's still dark outside and it is my time for calm and coming back into my body before the day starts to get a little bit crazy. And truly, it really does feel in these classes like the teacher is in the room with you. I love how easy it is to follow along and the opportunity for me to give back a little bit to myself first thing. Open offers unlimited live and on-demand breathwork, meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more. Plus, you can connect directly with teachers during in-class live streams. It is designed for all levels and They partner with musicians, producers, sound designers, DJs, and curators to co-create classes for an immersive experience that takes you deeper into your practice. Trust me, it's pretty cool. Let's take a class together. Open is giving Hurdle listeners 30 days absolutely free when you visit withopen.com slash hurdle. Again, join me over on Open by heading on over to withopen.com slash hurdle. 
Let me know what y'all think and I will see you in class. Also, gotta give some love to one of Hurdle's longest standing partners, and that is AG1 from Athletic Greens. AG1 replaces key health products in one simple scoop, combining nine health products working together as one, replacing your multivitamin, multiminerals, pre and probiotics, immunity support, and more. What this means, honestly, is that AG1 just does more for your body. And it saves you time, money, and confusion compared to taking multiple unique products. Seriously, before I started shaking up AG1 every single day, I would just like haphazardly walk into my local CVS and buy whatever gummy vitamins were on sale. Now I know that every single day by incorporating this into my routine, I am giving my body exactly what it needs and also what I deserve. I do get a lot of questions of what it tastes like. The best way I can sum it up is really, I think it has like a sweet taste compared to other greens with notes of pineapple and a little hint of vanilla. Oh, I think it's refreshing and yummy. And that's why I think I'm on, I mean, at least year four of drinking this every single day, whether I'm here at home in Brooklyn or on the road. Now, of course, AG1 has an offer for you. If you head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle, you can get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D for free with your purchase. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get your freebies today. When I was 25, like I was not speaking like this, like... (laughs) So I would just say, I would just say that like your perspective already shows like so much growth. Why do you think that that is? Why do you think that you already have like this very much growth mindset? A huge reason for this kind of like growth mindset is things that I've learned on the national team and also playing at Cincinnati. And a lot of it, I think, just comes from volleyball and kind of being in tough situations, figuring out the best way to handle them. And even when things aren't going your way and, uh, Karch are the head coach of the national team. He always talks about this growth mindset and having this growth mindset and having like really low expectations, but high hopes for things. And he talks about that a lot in terms of how we're going to show up and play. We don't expect to win any games, but we have high hopes and we know that we're capable. Um, and I think I've just kind of been able to watch a lot of amazing, intelligent people operate and live their lives with this mindset and realize that like the way they go about life is just, it's so powerful to me because I think then it opens this door for like constant gratitude and like, how can I continuously find this like find something to be grateful for, even in the difficult moments. Um, And like the other day, um, my teammate Dana and I were warming up and we just got done with a really long week. We had like four matches in seven days and we're training, we're traveling, we're doing all this stuff and we're so tired. We're warming up for a game. And I'm just like, I'm so thankful that my legs work and I can like run around and jump and play this sport. And like just something as simple as that, I'm like, I'm so grateful for that. But to try to stay in this um, 
mindset of gratitude and this growth mindset, I think has been really helpful, especially in the tough moments, because I've, I've just, just seeing other people live that out has been huge for me. When did you start to understand the benefit of small gratitude and small wins? I think it really hit me and sunk in when I started playing on the national team. Um, because we always take moments for gratitude and Karch really implements that. Like we'll have team meetings where on certain tournaments, I remember, I think it was my first summer with the national team in 2019. At the beginning of each meeting, we would have one player stand up and say, I think someone who was like basically made it possible for them to be there, someone they were really thankful for. And so even with team meetings that we have now, we'll end with a moment of gratitude. And so there are always these intentional moments where it, you're reminded um, of the power of gratitude. And so once I realized that and I started implementing that into my everyday life in the, in the really small moments and the moments that seem insignificant, I realized just how powerful gratitude is and um, just how it can change your outlook. And so I think the national team and everybody involved, this, the staff and the players, um, they really instilled that in me. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, you mentioned coming out of a little bit of a rough time. What would you say was the catalyst for you to kind of shift your attitude and, and really make some progress there? I think the biggest thing for me was having that moment with um, Jordan and Dana. We were just having brunch at um, a local coffee shop and sitting there kind of like getting everything out, telling them where I'm at, how I'm feeling, um, feeling like really validated and heard in that moment. And then just having their support and their advice. And like I mentioned earlier with what Jordan had said to me, just showing up in that consistency, I think that was huge. Like sometimes I think it's it's simple stuff that you've heard before, but if somebody specific says it to you, it just hits home a little bit more. And so I think in that moment, hearing it from her, just, I remember looking at her and be like, how do you do it? Like, how do you always show up and you're so professional and you're so good at this? And she was like, it's consistency. Like, that's all it is. You know, I don't feel like it every day. I don't feel my best. And um, she's like, but every day I'm going to show up and little by little, I know that the improvement is going to come. And okay, wow. That again, so simple. It reminds me there's like this Instagram post and it's like a graph of 365 dots and like only seven of them are like colored in. And it says like one bad day doesn't make a bad year. And it's like mm -hmm. a visualization that you see, like there's literally only seven of 365 dots that are black. And mm -hmm. wow, like what a great way to realize like that's so true, right? Like, are you going to make these seven black dots be the reason that you reflect on the year as a whole as a negative? And it goes back to our conversation on perspective, right? Like we have mm -hmm. the opportunity to decide to not look at a life and experience XYZ in a certain way, but rather reframe and then move forward with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's huge. For you outside of volleyball, what excites you right now? This It's really, it feels kind of silly to say, but just like different moments to create have been really exciting for me. Um, Elaborate. I, 
I'm not like a huge TikTok person, but something like just creating a TikTok, a little vlog, or maybe it's like a little dancing video, um, but just like creating these moments. And I, I really enjoy capturing moments with my friends or just in life and things that I can look back on and remember like, wow, I remember exactly how I felt in this moment and look at how different things are now. Um, whether that's like in a more positive or negative way, like maybe I was feeling really bad or sad or something and I'm looking like, wow, I'm just so happy now. Look at that. But just, you know, capturing those moments and then being able to create something from them is really exciting for me and just something fun and lighthearted to do. And I actually was talking with one of my teammates today. We created this like unofficial club called the Sad Girls Club because <laughs> we were, we all had like kind of a rough practice a couple of weeks ago. And so um, I was like, guys, we should have a Sad Girls Club where we can all come to my apartment and cry tonight. And um, we ended up making sweatshirts that say Sad Girls Club. Um, and they're really cute and I love them. But I, bet, uh, I can guarantee you that people that are listening to this right now would buy a Sad Girls Club sweatshirt. <laughs> I feel like they're actually really cute. I posted it on my Instagram and people, like a few people are like, oh my gosh, I want one. <laughs> You're like, this is limited edition. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of like silly stuff like that. That's just very different than what I'm doing with my everyday life of going to practice and going to lift and traveling and going to games and stuff like that just something to kind of like stimulate my mind and just do something fun and kind of like outside of the box for me. How do you feel about spending time alone? I love it. Maybe a little too much, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm definitely an introvert, I think, but I love my friends because a lot of them are very like extroverted and they're like, they have an idea and they're like, let's go do it. And I'm like, I love you because if it were me and I had this idea, I would probably talk myself out of it and be like, well, well then I have to figure out this and oh, I probably just shouldn't go. Um, and so I'm really thankful for my friends because they're always like drawing me out and like helping me experience new things because if it were up to me, I'd probably be in my apartment a lot of the time. <laughs> I always love asking women who play on teams how they feel about alone time because it kind of goes like one or one of two ways. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm so ingrained in team and team mentality that I really don't like spending time by myself or I crave it because I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm definitely <laughs> the one who, who craves it. And we, we were just traveling for like five days as a team and we have, I think we got home around like 3 PM and we have lifts all together in the morning at 10. I'm like, okay, see you guys in a few hours. And they're like, what do you mean? We can't wait to see you. And I'm like, I love you guys so much. I would like a few time, like moments to myself every once in a while. But it's, it's just funny because you definitely see those two kind of like personalities playing out on a team. The people who are like, I cannot wait to get away from you guys just for a little. I love you so much, but I need my space. And then the ones who are like, we could live together and it'd be great. So <laughs> you're like a little bit of both, a little bit of both, yes. a little bit of a pivot here. This episode is coming out on the first Monday of Black History Month. How do you feel about, let's just say like the state of diversity within your sport as a black athlete? I think it's definitely getting better. Um, like it's becoming more diverse, 
but I think it's still like not where it could be. And I think about like even just playing overseas, I will get so excited when I see another black player, whether it's a men or women's player. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Look at us. And I'm like, I probably shouldn't like, that shouldn't be like the normal response to it. But like, that's just kind of how it is right now because there aren't that many black volleyball players. And so I think that's definitely, when you think about like the the younger, like the kids and girls who are playing in um, middle school and high school and stuff like that. Um, I think there's, there are definitely still barriers that are stopping probably a lot of young black girls um, from playing the sport. And I think it can be intimidating to want to go into a space where there aren't a lot of people who look like you. And so I'm hoping that the, the sport continues to grow and that people um, feel welcomed in this space and that we do see just a lot more diversity in this sport because it's it's so fun and I just know that like so many people would enjoy playing and um, you know I want everybody to like feel welcomed in this space. How does it feel for you knowing that there are few other women of color playing at your level in this sport to be that person that like, if they want to be her, they need to see her and they see you. How does it feel for you to be perhaps a role model for them? Yeah, I sometimes I think I forget about that aspect of it because I'll even look at my other um, black teammates on the national team. And like, I look up to them so much. And for me, like they are those women, like they are the ones who I'm looking up to. And I'm like, just in awe of, and like, look at how amazing you're doing and how far you've come and all the things that you're accomplishing. And there was actually a moment, um, at the Olympics after we won gold, we were in our, we were in the Olympic village in our little like apartment, getting ready for the, um, closing ceremony. And I was getting ready in my room and I had my speaker on and I was playing, um, Brown skin girl by Beyonce. And one of my teammates, Kim Hill came up to me with like tears in her eyes. And I'm like, Kim, what is wrong with you right now? And she's like, do you know how many like young black girls are looking up to you in this moment? And like, how many lives you're touching and impacting. And she was like, this song just like made me think of that. And it just made, like made me really emotional. And I was like, it was just such a wholesome moment and just reminded me of the people that I have the opportunity to leave a positive impact on and inspire. Um, and I think sometimes when you get caught up in the day-to-day of this career, you kind of lose sight of that. And so that was just like a really touching moment for me. And every time I play that song now, I think of Kim and um, just her saying that and how it really hit home for me. I have the chills as you like tell that story. And it's, it's really awesome to hear you step into this place where like you accept almost what seems to be a little bit of a responsibility. And this carries over to us taking a look at, you know, the platforms that you've built and also the platforms that you have access to, whether it's the almost 100,000 people that follow you on Instagram or the sheer fact of you being an Under Armour athlete. So let's talk about that 
briefly, what does it mean Mm -hmm. for you to be an Under Armour athlete? I think, um, you know, it's such an honor because I, growing up, that was never something in my wildest dreams that I would even think of. But to have access to the Under Armour platform and what they stand for and the resources that they have and the way that they want to support and help their athletes in the different avenues and places where that you know their athletes are really passionate about and they want to have an impact on is such an honor because you know it's one thing to say like oh yeah we want to support our athletes and help help them you know help young girls who maybe live in the inner city who want to have access to the sport but don't have the means to do it and there's another it's another thing to actually make that happen. And so I think about, um, you know, the Jordan Thompson Under Armour camp and I'm like, that just blows my mind that that was even a possibility, but they put so much time and effort and resources into making that happen. And I'm just really thankful that they care a lot. And so, to, like I said, to have access to under Armour and be a part of the Under Armour family just is such a huge blessing. That camp, the first one took place at the University of Cincinnati. How did that feel for you? It felt so surreal to be in the place where I started my career and ended my career in college and had all these different experiences. And then to have like my logo next to the Under Armour logo in this place that I call home. It was like, I just, I felt so in awe the entire time. And I was just so excited to be able to connect with those girls and hopefully leave them a little bit inspired or motivated in some way. And just to like, let them know that like, I genuinely want to be a resource for them. And like, I want young girls to feel like they have not only people in this sport, older women in the sport to look up to, but also access to them and to be able to ask questions and get information and, you know, hear more about our stories and how we got to where we are. But it, I mean, just to be able to do that in Cincinnati was just so surreal. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. And, and when I was prepping for this interview, I was uh, looking back at some of the the work that you've done and then the work you've also done with Under Armour and the athlete no one saw coming campaign, which is essentially like a, a focus on, uh, let's say, blocking out toxic comparisons. So if you had to offer advice to someone who may be stuck in that comparison trap, what would you say to them to be their own biggest hype woman? I think I would tell that person the way that you were created is so unique and beautiful and there are so many strengths to who you are and to remind yourself, and this is something I tell myself, you have greatness inside of you and you might not always feel it. You might not always see it playing out, but you have greatness inside of you and you are so like uniquely able to do certain things that like not everybody else is. And so I think that's the beauty of being an athlete and playing a sport and doing all these things. It's, it's really easy to compare yourself to others and see others, their journeys and how, how fast they're rising or how much they're going in a short amount of time. But each journey is so beautiful because of its uniqueness. And so, um, 
I think, find strength in that and find encouragement in that because every story is just, it's very beautiful in its own way. Just, I don't know, just to remind yourself that you have greatness inside of you because I feel like that's so powerful. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. I have the chills just thinking about it. Uh, When I say Paris 2024, how do you feel? I feel excited and nervous. (laughs) Your entire face is lit up. (laughs) What does, uh, what does that look like for you in this moment? When do things shift for you to start preparing for that? That was like on my radar immediately when Tokyo ended. I was like, okay, I want to do this again and I want to do it completely healthy. And so getting injured in Tokyo, it was like a bummer, but then you know, winning gold, it was just, it felt so, I don't even know how to put it into words, but it just felt so powerful. And even just walking around the Olympic village and feeling the sense of like, I'm so connected to everybody here, even though I might not ever see any of these people ever again, but like we got through a pandemic and qualified to be here. And it's the pinnacle of sport and So it just, I don't know, everything, it felt so powerful and I really want to experience that again. Um, And so I think that was like my focus once we got back from Tokyo, but now it's like, okay, we have to qualify first, which is crazy. Um, Not crazy, but it's like, we talk about Paris and everything, but like, we still haven't even solidified the fact of like going there yet or qualifying. And then once we qualify, hopefully then it's still like playing the waiting game, trying to make the roster. And you don't know if you make the roster until like a month before you leave. It's really crazy because you work so hard towards this goal and like you might not even meet it. You might not be in Paris in 2024. Um, But you still just like you grind every day with that goal in mind. What keeps you grinding? Thinking about Paris, thinking about like, I want my family to be in the stands, be able to see me compete at that level. I want to chase another medal with Team USA. And then, you know, that's kind of like the long goal. But then like the daily goal is, or the motivation is that like the team I'm on now, these women and this club and the staff, they deserve my best. They deserve my 100%. And I want to respect them in that way because I feel like um when I do that like I respect them I respect the sport and they deserve nothing less and so I want to continue to just show up for them and work hard for them knowing that as I put in this work each day hopefully it will lead to my ultimate goal Yes. We love it. We love it. I mentioned earlier you having a sizable following on Instagram. Someone goes to your Instagram page and they see a elite volleyball player, an Olympic gold medalist, an Under Armour athlete. When you look in the mirror, what do you see looking back at you? I love this question. I kind of see like just kind of a weird, not like a weird random girl, but like I think I kind of view myself um, the way I did when I was younger, which is like, oh, I'm just kind of like awkward and trying to like figure things out. Um, But like, as I get older and I get more life experiences, I'm definitely starting, like when I look in the mirror, I have a lot more confidence in myself, which I've loved to grow in that way over the past few years. I think that's been really huge for me. 
but yeah, I definitely, I don't really see like, oh, this amazing volleyball player and so good. Ooh, I see like, <laughs> oh, I'm just kind of like awkward, maybe hopefully a little bit funny. Um, but yeah. I see those things too. <laughs> Not your awkwardness that you are a little <laughs> bit funny though. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited that we were able to make this happen. We're winding down here. My final question for you, Jordan, right now you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice. Let's go back to that devastating college injury, which just really rocked your world and was one of the first times you truly learned about the value of perspective. You have the opportunity to offer that young woman a piece of advice during the hurdle moment, knowing what you know now, what would you tell her? You have no idea now, but you have so much greatness ahead of you. And if Jordan Larson could just tell me at that point that just keep putting money in the bank and it'll, it'll pay off. Um, I think that would be a huge, huge thing. Little by little, as you continue to put in the work and allow yourself to experience your feelings and emotion and feel feel validated in those things and know that that's okay to have those hard days, but continue to look for the positive because you have so much greatness ahead of you. Man, A, validation is where it's at. And B, I just want to remind you, Jordan Thompson, that you are the quote unquote Jordan Larson for a lot of people, I'm sure. So keep doing what you're doing. And again, thank you so much for making the time to chat with me. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Give us all of your details. Yeah, I am at JTOMM19 on all social media platforms. Well, not all, just like Instagram and TikTok, basically. But that's what you can ones. Amazing. I'm amazing. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.